The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi. Hi, this is Gwendolyn. Gwendolyn Galsworth, your host at the Visual Workplace. Welcome. Thanks for tuning in. This is our weekly radio show about letting the workplace speak. And in each of our shows, we look at some aspect of letting the workplace speak. Another way of saying that is how to embed the intelligence of our operational system into the landscape of work through visual devices. Why? So that we can reap the huge benefits, cultural and financial benefits of doing so, and we can enjoy ourselves along the way. We can enjoy ourselves at work. We can do the dance of work. We can look forward to work as a place where we're going to get something done and also flow. And also think. That was one of the things that Taichi Ono, who was uh, one of the, he was the co-architect of the Toyota production system along with uh, Shigeo Shingo, that's what he said. He said, listen, people don't come to Toyota to work. They come to think. <laughs> they come to think. He had a very elegant way of expressing himself where he just kind of cut you off at, at your knees and uh, you just sat there thinking, wow, <laughs> people don't go to Toyota to work. They go to think. So we're going to be talking about where visuality comes into that picture, to that comes on that journey to excellence. And today we'll look at the four power levels of visual devices. Here we're going to get into the kind of, I would say, more technical or more functional aspects of visuality. We're not going to be talking about how to implement, or we'll be, might be touching upon it a little bit, but what? What are the four levels of power when we talk about visual devices? And what separates those four? Why are there four, not five, not three? And we'll be going through this actually in two shows. We're going to cover the first two levels in this show and the next two levels in our subsequent show. So before we begin, and we've got a lot to cover as usual, here are just a couple of announcements. First, I wanted to let you know that I'm going to be doing a visual workplace seminar in Jacksonville, Jacksonville, Florida, on May the 1st. That's Tuesday, May the 1st at the Shingo Prize. I'm always so very pleased when they invite me to present the seminar. And I hope that you can be there. If you're in the area, you don't have to go to the full conference. You can just come to the workshop. And if you do come and you're a radio listener, you know, I'll figure out something to do. I'll give you a book or something like that. Make it special. Uh, I'll be really delighted to meet you. And then on June the 12th and the 13th, that's in a few months, 
will be doing uh, the same seminar in San Antonio, Texas, under the auspices of AME. Uh, and we'll be doing a visual plant assessment where we go in on the second day and we look at the uh, plant from the point of view of visuality. First day, you kind of learn how to look at a plant and what layers you're looking for, how to see what's not there is one way I like to put it. And we'll do that assessment on Global 2, which is a company owned and run by Doug Carlberg, a very important uh, mover and shaker down in Texas and also on the AME board. So if you want to find about find out about the first one, about the Shingo uh, Workplace Seminar, the Visual Workplace Seminar, go to shingoprize.org, shingoprize.org, all one word except for .org. And for the other one, the one we're doing in June, ame.org. You can also visit our website where they're listed out. And uh, you'll also see details about our products and services. Uh, also, for last week, uh, I, it wasn't last week, but it was recently, I mentioned that our standard proposal is on the lower left. It isn't. It's sort of in the center. And uh, what the heck does it say right there in the center? It says, hang on, for, it says on-site services. On-site services is kind of center right, not the lower left. And those on-site services, that we have a standard proposal so you can get an idea of how we set up. Um, that kind of first visit. also want to say that the material I'm presenting today and on the next show on the four power levels is available in my book, uh, Work That Makes Sense, in my latest book, Work That Makes Sense, which is operator-led visuality, and also as an online on-demand webinar. You can get that on our website as well. It's also one of the 11 modules in what we call the big screen webinars. It is the yellow book turned into PowerPoint narrated by myself so that you can have these standalone training uh, processes in your own company without me directly. It's very cost effective and we think these big screen webinars are really terrific. So you can put them on a 4 by 8 uh, screen and they'll be very high resolution and very, very readable and usable. The four power levels of visuality. So let's begin beginning a little earlier today because we have a lot to cover. When we go back and think about some of the things that we've been talking about recurrently in our discussions, one of the things that I've said is that visuality is about translating information into exact behavior through the mechanism of visual devices. Translating information into behavior through visual devices. These devices share information visually, the same vital information that we use to get exact behavior. The devices hold themselves. So we've talked a lot about that. So let me just go back to uh, paint a scenario that may speak to some of you. Nearly everybody begins the visual journey in a value field that is starved for information. Nearly each one of us, when we came to work the first time, We were faced with a blank desk, we were faced with a blank bench, we were faced with a blank um, station, blank. That is no built-in information, just a board and some legs. That's like Mary Ann, let's call her Mary Ann. She works at a bench in a switch and control company, she's an assembler, and during the course of the day, she uh, does her work, and at the end of the day, 
she is asked by her supervisor to separate any scrap or any defects that came up in the components that she's using into six categories and to count them. She makes a little report. So one of the first things she did when she got to her bench was to lay down borders and addresses. She put in, she implemented the visual wear. And then she began to look deeper. She began to look for motion that was related to other aspects of her work, not just where things were, but other aspects. And she noticed this little sub-operation she did at the end of the day of counting her scrap, separating it into categories, into six categories. She noticed her motion around that. And she said, you know what, I bet I can find an easier way. I bet I can find a visual way to get the answer to that question, which is, what kind of scrap and how many? What and how many? So she began to devise a visual response. And the way she started doing this was just by collecting six styrofoam cups and wrapping them together with some tape. And then on each cup, she would mark the type of defect, whatever that was, and THL and OBF, whatever the initials of the scrap was. And as she came across each scrap, each time she found one, she would put it in the right cup. And at the end of the day, she already had the sorting. All she had to do was counting. All she had to do was count. Very good. She created a scrap separator device. Well, what happened is that the other operators saw it, and of course they copied it. And they said, wow, this is great. And then what happened is her supervisor, who was also a visual thinker, saw it and said, bingo. That is a great idea, and we're going to elevate that into a visual best practice. And so he formalized it into a a plate that was on her bench that had six holes in it, and underneath her bench were six compartments, and this was on every bench. And the operator, Marianne, or her colleagues, would drop the scrap into the hole, and the scrap would be there, be counted at the end of the day, and there it was. Her invention got formalized into a visual best practice. Marianne's scrap separator system functions on a level that is impressively higher than the visual wear, than borders and addresses. And yet, she keeps her role as a supervisor, as a, as an operator, but she is finding deeper levels of motion. And she's creating solutions that involve higher levels of visual functionality and new levels of visual power, what we're talking about today. I call the formulation of categories of visual function that travel beyond the visual wear in their impact as the four power levels. So I want to take you through it. It's kind of like steps of power. And as I talk, take you through this, and as you listen... I would like you to listen not just once but twice. You're going to listen once and say, oh, yeah, I get it, I get it. But I want you to continue thinking, thinking about how to make visual devices and therefore your visual workplace, therefore your operations, whether it's a hospital, bank, or factory, more powerful, more coherent, more transparent, more adherence-oriented. spend so much time doing standard work. Let's anchor it through visuality. If I were teaching you directly, we would spend two or three weeks on each of the four power levels I'm about to introduce 
and you, if you were operators, would be working on applications and tracking their benefits. And if you were a supervisor, we would then work on helping you get that level of, of visuality out of operators who were already visual thinkers in the making. And if you were a CEO, then we would add it probably to your hit list in terms of what you're looking for, what principles of visuality are you looking for to be active and dynamic on the on the uh, shop floor or in operations. Because even though you as a CEO or VP of operations are not implementing, your eyesight has to be groomed so that you see these new capabilities coming into your operations. Okay, so the power levels has to do with not relying on the first visual device that you think of, but looking to see if you're getting the behavior change and if you're not, then making the visual device more powerful. There are dozens, hundreds, thousands of examples. I'm going to give you just a few. So in this show, I want to show you that visual solutions exist on different power levels and I want to kind of walk you through the construct. Power to do what? Power to get precise, predictable, repeatable behavior. But this is even in low volume, high complexity. Don't make any differentiation for visuality. There is none. Okay? Power to make is adhere, comply, do the right thing, do it more safely, more quickly, more precisely. In visuality, the term power means the power of a specific visual device or group of visual devices to trigger an intended behavior or outcome. That's what it means. My cat just walked across the the keyboard and luckily did not disconnect us. (laughs) I have a great cat named Merlin. He's a black cat, too. He's my first pet since I've been probably 12. I had a dog named Lady then. This is my second pet, and I tell you, it is a trip and a half. So, of course, Merlin just walked across all the keyboards, and excuse me for the interruption, I got distracted. (laughs) So, talking about power, let's get back to the content so you can see this unfold very systematically. There are two ways to increase the effectiveness of a visual device. The first way is to create a cluster of visual devices to build what's called a mini-system. And even though we haven't done our show yet on mini-systems, we've mentioned it. And a mini-system is simply a cluster of visual devices all aimed at a single outcome. For example, the school bus. You look at a school bus and you see 5, 6, 7, 20 visual devices all aimed at Simply a single outcome. Keep our kids safe. Get them to school safe. Deliver them back home safe. They're all aimed at the same thing. So we have the name school bus. We have the flashing lights. We have the stop sign that pops out to remind us to stop. Maybe the cat threw up on our shoe on our way uh, on our way out of the house this morning and we're thinking about what's in our shoe. Instead of noticing the school bus stopping, this nice friendly arm comes out and says, stop. We have the color yellow itself. Did you know that that color yellow has been reserved by congressional law for school buses? In 1939, that color yellow, Congress passed an act of Congress 
to say this yellow will be for school buses only. Now, when you think about that, first of all, it's very impressive that politicians get involved in the health and well-being directly of my children. But think about it a little bit more and see what's not there. What's not visible, but that is absolutely present, is the motion that preceded that act of Congress. The motion is a lot of hurt kids, a lot of oops, yikes, oh no. So much so that the political system got involved in protecting our kids on a very, very local level. Did you know that? 1939. And we have mirrors. We have cantilevered mirrors because we have this great big hood in front of the driver. His line of sight is interrupted. We have concave mirrors. Concave? Convex mirrors, I beg your pardon. Convex mirrors that look down on the ground so we can see the little ones who are in front of the bus, who are going into the front of the bus. And then we have cow catchers that come out and make the kids walk around it until, of course, the little one is going to decide to have a little game with the driver and sneak under the cow catcher and defeat the visual device. These are all different power levels of visual devices, so many of them. So that's what we mean by one way to increase the effectiveness of your visual devices is to invent or create a cluster of them, build a mini system, so that all of these visual devices are impinging on the same outcome. You have a kind of redundancy. You often see this in pokey oak devices where you're really trying to corral the attributes. So we're going to slide into a break now. And when I come back, we'll continue this discussion and we'll talk about visual indicators, which is the second way to increase effectiveness. We're going to use the power levels, the first of which is your visual indicator. See you in a minute. favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. 
Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. This is Gwendolyn, and we're doing a show on the four power levels of visual devices. We'll be doing this show in two parts. We'll be covering the first two levels in this show and the second two in the next show. So let's talk about those four levels of visual devices. Getting beyond the visual wear into a higher level of visual functionality. The four power levels are visual indicator, visual signal, visual control, and visual guarantee or Pokeyoke devices. I wanted to keep the same visual language, so I call Pokeyoke devices visual guarantees. We'll be dealing with visual indicators and visual signals in this show and visual controls and visual guarantees in the next show. Now, when you think of that list, I'd like you to list it in your mind in reverse order so that visual indicator is at the bottom, then visual signal, then visual control, and on top is visual guarantee. And then in your mind's eye, draw an arrow pointing up because we're starting at the bottom and moving up because we're starting at the least powerful to the most powerful. The thing is about visual indicators (laughs) is that they have no power. They actually have no real power. Think of the railroad crossing sign. It has no power, just the crossing sign, the one that says railroad crossing like an X. This is a visual indicator, but it has no power to make us slow down. There's a train going to be coming, but we don't slow down. As adults, you and I are likely to slow down because we understand the consequences. But teenagers, new drivers, you know, a teenager will look at that railroad crossing sign and say, oh boy, this is an open invitation to step on the gas, especially if the train is in sight. And see who gets across the tracks first. It's immature, of course. It's dangerous. It's childish. It's all those things. And the sign cannot get, that visual indicator cannot get the behavior to change or the thinking to change. Visual indicators have no power to make us do the right thing. They can convey important, even vital information, as we just saw. But they have no power to make us obey comply, adhere. You know, you go to Disneyland and it says stroller parking. There's a little blue sign that says stroller parking. But there's no stroller parking police. You park there or you don't park there. It's a hope and not a requirement. It's up to you. Or our famous, famous of all visual indicators, the stop sign. It's just a visual indicator. But it's powerful because of the possible consequences of ignoring it, an accident or a ticket, which is worse. But the sign itself, stop, that octagon in red, stop, which is used universally. I mean, in France they say arrête, but you know it really means stop. (laughs) But they could put stop. People recognize the icon of the shape. But you know what? That shape and those words have no power. We recognize it because it's iconic. We pay attention to street signs in the same way, only if we need the information on them. 37th Avenue, 36th Avenue, 65th Avenue. If we don't need that information, they disappear. They practically disappear. We don't need it. We don't, we don't see it. We don't need it. We don't see it. We don't pull it to us. 
visuality is a pull system. This information is embedded into the environment so we can pull it at will and at need. But with these street signs, if we're looking for 65th, we breeze right down, right past 37th, 38th, 45th. Around 62, we begin to kind of pay attention. It's a visual indicator. Even the park, don't park signs. You know what? I once paid $56.35 for a cup of cappuccino because there was a no park, that P with the, with the, um, red Ghostbusters thing. <laughs> That's what I think of. The red uh, slash sign, the red circle in the middle. And I, I looked at that and I said, nah. It was raining. It was a Saturday afternoon. I was going into the Dorothy Lane Market in Dayton, Ohio. All I wanted was cappuccino, not a cop car in sight. I pulled into the little yellow no parking zone, big old sign, P with a red slash through it. Went in. I came out, and I saw the cop car drive away, and I still inside me said, nah, nah, couldn't be. And there it was. I got to my car, and raining down pouring the ticket was soaked it had only been there like 45 seconds it was soaked and you know what i did i got angry imagine that i got angry i said you know what this sign should not apply to me because i'm gwendolyn it's me gwendolyn you can't do that to me i'm such a good person That little P with the red mark through it had no power to make me do the right thing. It was optional. So once again, indicators provide, they can provide invaluable information. The kind we all need. House addresses, street names, stop signs, road signs, directions. There are consequences of ignoring indicators that that can be severe. But in the workplace, honestly, it's optional. In the workplace, it has no power to make us do it. It depends on our will. We're beginning our discussion of will. We talked about it over the last few shows. How are you going to get the will, the will, the individual will activated and aligned with the corporate intent? Great visual indicator. This is at Denison Hydraulics back in the 1990s. It was a little yellow card, laminated card that says, Simply had the, the it, it simply said, use this first. Use this first. So there was a row of parts, and it simply said, use this first. Fantastic. So simple. And people used whatever was behind it first. There was no argument about it. So simple. But that's not powerful. Powerful means can make me do it. If your goal is controlling or limiting behavior, yours or anyone else's, indicators will not help. You'll need more powerful visual devices, the kind that you will learn that we'll talk about when we get to controls and pokey devices, visual guarantees. Let me go through a few other visual indicators that are very common in the workplace. One of them is a visual standard. Many companies, many companies populate the work area with visual standards. You know, the kind of flat sign that tells us how to do things, the step-by-step, this is how you, this is our SOP. But in fact, visual standards, these visual standards are visual indicators. They're the least powerful of all categories of visual function. I'm sorry. They depend entirely on our willingness to use them. 
If we accept that we need to know such information and that those visual standards are in fact complete and correct, then we might pull the information to us. But in some organizations, that is a pretty big if, if we accept that we need it. Okay? Although these visual standards, which are visual indicators all, hold key safety and quality answers, they have no power to make us do that. They have no power to make us use them. I'll tell you about another great visual indicator that's a visual standard. It was, um, there was an argument, this was many years ago at the Hamilton Standard um, factory in uh, Winter Locks. And there was a lot of discussion about how the grinder benches were left. A lot of complaints between first shift and second shift about, and third shift and first shift and second shift and third shift and, you know, between shifts about leaving the bench, the grinders, clean enough. And there was discussion in meetings and blah, 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 blah. Talk, talk, talk. Talk is air. You know, it's just the, it's just breath. And then one of the guys says, hey, look, this is Michael. He says, look, we're visual thinkers. Let's find a visual way of sharing this information. What they came up with is what you're probably already thinking about. If we want the benches to be left in a certain level of order and cleanliness, let's take a picture. Let's just take a picture of what the bench is supposed to look like and post it on the grinder. And just at the end of the shift, let it look like this. If it looks like this, you're good. The standard is built in. That's a visual standard. And the adherence to that particular device was phenomenal because it was easy. It reminded everyone of what the bench was supposed to look like. It was non-punitive. The bickering stopped. You just followed the standard. So in that way, it was effective. But it was also reliant on our willingness our willingness to follow it. It's still a visual indicator. Another visual indicator is what you might call metrics. I mean, what supervisor doesn't hope that sharing metrics, sharing measures of poor performance will automatically improve them? This is a hope and a dream, but that rarely happens, especially if the culture is not yet aligned, especially if the work culture is still struggling with a lot of the formative issues of alignment. Knowing the details of a less than stellar result is important, but will it actually change anything? I remember a four-sided kiosk in Iowa that showed the key performance indicators like a at four sides, quality, cost, delivery, and safety, right? Had printouts that slipped into plastic sleeves on each face. The kiosk rotated. It was on wheels. You could take it to lunch if you wanted to. It didn't make anybody change. It didn't make improvement happen. It was a huge improvement over not collecting and not sharing data at all. But all it did was monitor performance. It did not drive performance. And we talked about this before when we talked about uh, doorway number four, leadership about metrics that drive. Okay? 
So we're going to move into a break now. We'll talk a little bit more about uh, metrics and give you some ideas about how to, how to amp yours up, but they're still visual indicators. Please come back. I'll be here. Thank you. guests are being featured this week read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts go to iradioblog.com today powered by the voice america talk radio network are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company Gwendolyn galsworth visual workplace expert and award-winning author is available to help you harness and maximize that power with nearly 30 years of hands-on experience dr galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense, with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call one 866 472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, hi, it's Gwendolyn. So we were talking about the four power levels, and we're on to the first power level, which is a visual indicator, which has no power at all. These are the addresses. These are the metrics that you put up, the way that you – these are the visual displays, or I should say your dashboards. They're just announcing information. They're telling. They're not making they tell us what to do, they tell us how we've done, but they do not pull a behavior from us. They do not pull a response. We may decide to respond. We may be concerned. You know, we may have strong self-leadership and care, but we but the device itself doesn't trigger us into behavior. When we start getting into the higher levels, which we will not do until next time, you'll see how controls and guarantees really take our will away. They take away our will. That's why they're so powerful. And by the way, that's why we reserve the language, visual controls, for that which does control, not for all visual devices, because we want to know the power and if you tell me you've got a lot of visual controls, I'm going to see it in your numbers. 
I'm going to see it in your KPIs. I'm going to see very good quality levels, on-time delivery, very few, no accidents, I should say. So let's get back to indicators so I can give you a few more examples because I want to make some specific points. So metrics, in order to get your metrics to drive, you have to bring the user into the metric. We spent a whole show on this. I believe that was in January. It would be a part of the visual leadership. Look at the titles. You build in a point of comparison. You make sure the feedback is on the user, feedback on myself, because then I become very interested. That has to do with the eye-driven part of the methodology. How interested are you in your feedback? In the feedback, very interested. It's about me. That's why we have mirrors in our home. <laughs> mirrors are like a scorecard for us. That's why we have feedback. Uh, that's why the built-in feedback loop is so very important. So we talked about addresses, the visual wear as being a visual indicator. We talked about visual standards as being a visual indicator, not powerful and yet useful. And managers, by the way, if you think your visual standards are you're making standards visual is going to change quality level or the behavior of your employees, you already have to have very aligned employees for them to respond. Okay, Otherwise, people see it as wallpaper. We talked about metrics being a visual indicator, no power except the power we built in. We build in so the user wants to use it. A visual display is also, for the most part, a visual indicator. You can make visual displays that have control elements to it, and they're really, really cool. But we're not talking about that today. We're talking about visual displays that announce, for example, we're low on parts, we're out of parts. Here's the action we take because of it. Okay? So, so think about visual indicators and notice them around you. Notice them in the workplace. Notice them in the community. Notice them in the stores, and you'll know visual indicators are everywhere. They're very, very, very prevalent, but you can't rely on them, okay? But they're still needed. If you, in your mind's eye, take away all the visual indicators, you couldn't find your way back home if it was the first time, or you couldn't find your way to a new place the first time. You'd be sunk. Important, but not powerful. Let's move up the food chain. We're going to visual signals, we're moving up the power ladder to visual signals, and we see that they strengthen adherence. How? Well, let's look at our railroad crossing. We added lights to our railroad crossing. That's a visual signal. It flashes. The lights begin to flash when the train approaches and draws our attention. Draws our attention. I just did a visual signal just now by clapping. It drew your attention. That's what a visual signal does. It draws our attention and then it delivers the message. Now, for our teenager, he'll simply gun the engine and make a run for it. <laughs> you and me, we'll say, oh, good, thank you. I'm going to slow down. I'm going to stop. So a visual indicator has a bit more power because it grabs our attention, then delivers the message, but it's still up to us to heed the message or not. A visual signal is slightly more effective than a visual indicator. And that means hardly at all. An example of a visual signal would be the cross light, the traffic lights. And believe me, those lights are not powerful. It's the consequences of the light that is powerful and why we stop. Same way 
as the stop sign. Only in this case, we're changing from green to red, and it's that change that draws our attention. You know you've been driving along the highway in the middle of the night. Nobody's around. You're in the countryside. The light is stuck. It's not changing, but you want your behavior to change. You want to get through the light. You look both ways. You look again. You look again, and then you crawl through. Another example of a visual signal, common visual signal, is the rumble strip on the side of the road. That rumble strip is completely silence, silent until it springs into action because your tires have touched it. Kaboom! Bounce, 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 bounce. Wake up, wake up, you dunderhead, it shouts. You're heading for the ditch. Perfect visual signal. The device simply lies there, mute until the very instant you need it, and your behavior changes as a result. How exciting is that? The important thing to remember about visual signals is that is the fact that they change. There's a change, and you notice it when gas came into our into our homes. How many hundreds of families did not wake up in the morning? They had a great meal, and they didn't wake up in the morning because when gas first came into the the home, they sent no it sent no message that the family was in danger, and then. The city father said, you know, enough with this. We have to put a message in the bottle. And so they put the stinky smell, the sulfur smell. Otherwise, gas is invisible. It's odorless. It's tasteless. There's no trace. There's no message. If there's no message, there's no behavior change. Now the sulfur carries the message. And as a result, you get behaviors change as a result. There you are in bed with your spouse, your honey, and you go, honey. Is that you, or did you forget to turn off the gas? <laughs> Bingo! <laughs> Bingo! Another example of a great visual signal are your hand-on lights. But there's a danger there. We see this everywhere. People will have stacks and stacks and stacks of hand-on lights, but you won't know what their message is. Did you ever have this experience? This happened to me. I was at a mail processing center in Minneapolis, the big one. Huge. Moving mail, sorting it. I did a 360 and I took a picture of 13 different and on lights. All of them, let's just say, few of them were alike in number or in color sequence. And yet all of them were lit. I had no idea what any of them meant or if I was in mortal danger. So I asked my escort, I said, hey, listen, am I in mortal danger here? All these lights are on. <laughs> and he said, oh, no, there's nothing to worry about. They're always on. <laughs> They're always on. <laughs> so instead of creating a sense of stability and control and safety, which visual devices are supposed to provide. The stacked lights used in this manner had exactly the opposite effect, and I've seen this everywhere. And people either completely ignore these lights because they're always on, or they feel a growing sense of risk for the same reason. Only a handful of people know what they mean. So we're going to slide into a break now. When we come back, I'm going to make a recommendation about these and-on lights and uh, see if we can actually get them to function the way they were intended. I'll see you in a minute. Thanks for listening.
sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, it's Gwendolyn. Welcome back. We are in the last segment of talking about the first two power levels of the four power levels of visual devices. We're talking about visual indicators, which are the least powerful. They just tell us, like a street sign, and visual signals, which first get our attention and then tell us something. The other two levels, visual controls and visual guarantees, have to do with structuring in information and therefore structuring in our behavior, limiting our behavior, directing it, and getting higher levels of compliance. Because to a large or greater extent, they control us. But today we're talking about indicators and signals, and we're on sing- signals. And I was just talking about stacked lights or andons. Andon is Japanese force paper lantern and these stack lights or andons share usually share status information on core performance parameters like faults and stoppages readiness waiting but one of the challenges is using this system is the color order and the number of lights vary and they all are meant to mean something but they more than 99 times out of 100 you have no way of knowing unless you install them or you work on that particular machine. Now, do you remember we talked about how you don't standardize too soon in visuality because you really want people to create robust responses? But I said there's categories of uh, there are um, standards that you should put in place about visuality, but they sound like there will be a border and an address for everything that casts a shadow. Well, this is another category where a standard or standard requirement is absolutely in order and it sounds like every end on light will explain itself. There will be a visual indicator on the end on light, which is a visual signal to explain it. And I would go even further and say two-sided. And you can do this with cardboard. You just have a naming list, a legend. 
on cardboard two-sided and put it up there with our friend duct tape. doesn't have to be fancy. You can also get little decals that paste on and on lights, but it's really hard to see them at a distance. I really love the um, two-sided, we call them 3D tabs, which is, by the way, another visual indicator. 3D tab using visual indicators much more powerfully. Just giving an address, giving a, a legend, but you can see it at a distance. That's the beauty part of 3D tabs. You can see it at a distance, and uh, you can see it on both sides, either direction. So that would be a standard. Every hand on light will have a legend, two-sided legend. Wonderful. And if you've got bilingual, then figure out an icon or have it in two languages or probably have 16 languages in your in your group so we can't let these stacked lights create more information deficits more motion they are there to share information not to create more motion i'll give you a few more examples a little bit unusual examples of um, visual indicators Nate and Elaine, I'm sorry, Nate and Camilla worked in the same department. Camilla was the secretary, Nate was the head engineer. Nate would come in every day at 7.30 to get a report from Camilla that wasn't due until 8 o'clock. She would come in early to make that 8 o'clock deadline and Nate would hover. And you know what? She said, Nate... I like you as a person, but honestly, you are really getting on my nerves. You are always hovering over me. Can't you do something else? And he, and he said, oh, you know what? I'm nervous about the report. And she said, let's figure out a visual way. We're both visual thinkers. And she's talking to her boss. Let's figure out a visual way for you to know when I'm ready. And that way, I can get your report ready on time. But now you kind of, your presence is eating up my, my space. Okay. And what they came up with was very simple. When the report was ready, Camilla put it in the blue bin, in the blue inbox, Nate's blue inbox, but she also put a little red clothespin on it. And then she said, Nate, do me a favor. When you pick up the report, would you please put the clothespin down so I know that all is well with the world until tomorrow morning? (laughs) And that's what they did. (laughs) Very simple 25-cent device. You know, anger, disagreement, even hate. These are forms of motion. These are signals. Let me use a different word. These are uh, symptoms of information deficits. It's kind of like saying communication, communication. You can never have enough communication. Well, the biggest problem with communication is the illusion that it has happened. But here we have little red clothespin doing the job. Let me give you one more. This happens in a, this is in a plant of 1500 people in Matamoros. It's where they make radios. Wonderful plant. They won the Visual Workplace 10 Doorways Prize this year. This is Delphi Deltronicos in Matamoros. Fantastic plant. They were recently acquired by Autoleave. Be that as it may. The, the plant was looking for a way to let, to let different departments know when there was a quality problem. So what they did when there was a quality problem or 
quality camp complaint that came in from a customer, an external customer. So the first step of this is they said, every department, please find a song you really, really like. Just choose a department song. Chito Lindo, Material Girl, a, a Bach Cantata, doesn't matter. Car, Carmina Burana, <laughs> one of my favorites. Right? That'll be your song. That's your department song. They picked it out. And then <laughs> this was a little unfair, but there was such good alignment between management and operators that it flew, the following flew. Whenever there's a complaint from a customer, you know what we're going to do? We're going to play your song. (laughs) And they did. They played their song. You get the song, but the message is a customer has complained. And, you know, they play it on the the loudspeaker. I don't know. For me, it was heavy-handed, but people were set such great spirit in this plant. They didn't mind. They laughed at it the way I'm laughing at it, like, oh, my gosh. Let's not have any more quality problems. <laughs> Please don't play our song. <laughs> but that's a visual signal. It's carrying a message. It's changing, and the change is silent song. Silent song. It's a pretty elaborate one. So I hope that you... Uh, are, are seeing how these power levels work. You have to look for effectiveness, for functionality out of your visual conversion. It isn't cosmetic. It isn't just a set of solutions. It is your operational system. Visuality is to capture the intelligence of your operational system and embed it into the physical landscape of work through visual devices. And so I'm hoping that you see in this first part of the four power levels, that we really are looking for behavior change. We can do this with machines as well. Machines behave yourself. We can get them to behave themselves. But we have to help them. Otherwise, they're dumb because we haven't given them a voice. We'll talk about that. We'll get Bob Williamson on here with us. I could just stop traveling quite so much. I would be in touch with him. He's a great representer of the visual machine. So those are the first two power levels. We will take the next two in our next, uh, in our next show. And please, if you've got pictures of visual indicators, visual signals, visual controls, pokey oak visual guarantees, please send them. We are hiring somebody to do the posting for us. So we'll get a little bit of help in getting that website to align with the show. But we've been a little bit taxed in terms of resources and, and, uh, organization here. We're pretty visual, but we're not really at the top of the heap yet. I want to thank you very much for tuning in. I really love talking with you. I know that many of you are listening because you've been in touch by email, and I so appreciate your interest in visuality. It really makes my heart sing. So this is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I will see you the next time I'm signing off right now. Bye. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program, brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.